Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for hockey and basketball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. He doesn't plan on writing a book to chronicle all his incredible experiences over the past 50 years covering Minnesota sports, but we've convinced him to do something even better, to share his greatest stories in auditory form right here. We wanted to call this a prairie home curmudgeon. But legal nixed it. So we proudly present the best stories from the mind of Patrick Royce, titled Royce Rambles. Here's Judd Zogad. Talking about plenty of memories and uh, things from the past. And Patrick, let's start off with a, uh, since it's going on March, the high school tournaments. Yeah, I you know, I found out some information today on the high school tournaments. I was uh, with the high school hockey tournament uh, upon us. I was uh, trying to recall when we had the back door up in uh, Region 7 and 8, up on the, uh, because they didn't have any hockey down here in the southwestern part of the state and the western part of the state. Region 3, mm-hmm. which is Marshall and those type of towns, was... The back door. That was Region 7 and Region 8. The runners-up would play, and that team would get. So you'd have the Region 7 final and the Region 8 final, okay. and then the losers would play, and that would give them, get them in the state tournament. War Road, 69, Henry Boucher, that was a backdoor team. They came, in in the, they came in through the back door, as they said. And actually, Minneapolis and St. Paul, I think was Region 2. I'd have to check that was uh, the Minneapolis and St. Paul, when the Minneapolis-St. Paul City Conferences were good and they had their own regions, their runners-up would play each other for one of those spots. Now, the back door closed, as they say, in 1975, mm-hmm. uh, up, up north. In other words, Region 3 was became a geographical region rather than the runners-up from up sure. north. But I found out something today researching this. Uh, you know, the state tournament, hockey tournament, started in 1945. Right. Uh, the Region 3 winner the first two years was Granite Falls, 1945 and 6. The winner in 1947 was Wilbur. Really? With Dwayne Netland as the goaltender. Nettie. Dwayne, now, Nettie, I knew that. I knew that Nettie was the goaltender. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Netland, longtime uh, golf writer, Viking writer, great writer at the Star Tribune. But he had a stutter, you know. Is no, you know, Nettie. Did you know Nettie? I did not know him. Never known. Yeah, he had a bit of a stutter. Covered the North Stars too, right? He had a bit of a stutter, and we always blamed his stutter on the fact that I think Wilmer played Eveleth in the first round of the tournament. Okay. And Nettie was the goalie, and that was Mayasich and the Eveleth team. And we always said Mayasich gave him that stutter <laughs> because I think they got beat sixteen to nothing or something like that. But in '48. Uh, St. Louis Park. Now, I don't know what the deal was. St. Louis Park was the representative of Region 3. So it must have, the suburbs must have just been, you know, the suburbs were just starting in 1948. So the suburbs must have been put in with the Wilmers and those. 
for Region 3. And then in 49, they moved it to the northern. Region 3 became the northern part of the state. But this I didn't remember. I remembered the back door. In the, so we're starting in 1949 and with the back door from the north through 64. So for 16 years, they just alternated. So in other words, if you were the runner-up one year in Region 7, you got to go to the state tournament. And then the next year, if you were the runner-up in Region 8, you got to go they to the state tournament. They just put you tournament. in then. Yes. So it, they didn't have a game. They didn't have a game. Wow. There was no backdoor game. I had no idea. I just remembered the the backdoor game. But the I guess the first backdoor game that I can find was 65. And uh, Thief River Falls beat Duluth East. 66, Greenway beat War Road. 67, Hibbing beat Thief River. 68, Greenway beat Thief River. Mm-hmm. 69, Henry Boucher and War Road beat Eveleth. Uh 70, Greenway got in uh, through the back door, beat Bemidji. 71, East Grand beat uh, Eveleth. 72, Grand Rapids beat East Grand. 73, Hibbing beat Rosso. And 74, Hibbing beat Thief River Falls, and then that was the end of it. So they really only had the backdoor game for 10 years. I I thought it was shocked to for learn than that. that. I, thought of, I thought they played it the whole time, but it just uh, lasted for a decade. But, you know, your old pal John Gilbert. He would not miss a backdoor, you know, the backdoor region game. They were supposed to be fantastic games because these were good teams, you know. Yeah. And one year they'd play it at Hibbing, and the next year they'd play it in Region 8 and at, I don't know, Rosso, Bemidji, someplace. Right. So, uh, but they were supposed to be fantastic games because it was kind of like the desperation, the last, this is, you got a second chance now and go out there and, uh, so uh, I learned that. I be Not being a hockey historian, I was uh, thrilled to learn that because I was thinking about doing a blog for the on, on the backdoor game and the, and the history of it and uh, found out that I didn't know the history of it. So Now, your uh, your experience with, with the hockey tournament started when, and I know it came to an abrupt end when you finally got to go to spring training <laughs> yes. and realized that you were on to the greatest racket of all time, which is if you're at spring training, you can't be at the hockey tournament. Well, I've always told the story. I was working as a copy boy at the Star, at the Tribune, Minneapolis Morning Tribune, 63, 4, and 5. And uh, I was going to university and uh, already had a wife and a child and uh was 20 years old and found out that Duluth had an opening for a sports writer, and I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I didn't know that until I started working at the Tribune, but met all these characters and just loved the vibe of a newspaper sure. you know, back then. And and so I went up to Duluth and got interviewed and uh, got the job, $76.08 a week. There wasn't a lot of, as I said, uh, they, I didn't have any experience, but they would have hired a wine on off the street for seventy six oh eight. And the first hockey game I had ever seen in my life, I saw at the Duluth Girling Club at that winter because mm-hmm. they put me in charge of uh, the high schools. In they had like two high school guys, and I had the Duluth and uh, the suburbs of Duluth, and then somebody else had that part of Wisconsin because the Northwest Wisconsin was high, but the first hockey games I saw were in the Duluth curling club. And, uh, but fortunately for me, Gilbert was working there then. And I received a nightly hockey seminar. 
hours and this and was hours and hours. And this was also, my guess, your first um, exposure to the fact that hockey writers are a different breed. Oh yeah. Well, they, I think more than any sport, they like to coach. Oh, no question. <laughs> you know, they like to coach. Or be the GM. Hallman and uh, Gilbert, of course, uh, legendary for that. Uh, they, 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 they consider themselves greater experts, I think, than most of us do. You know, in, in other sports. But, uh, but I discovered that uh, that was so long ago that the Duluth was just building the the old what's now the old arena that was, that was being built down there. So they. Uh, I think they'd just gotten into the WCHA or were just getting into the WCHA in the in the mid sixties, but I hadn't seen any hockey games and was not really uh you know, I used to watch the hockey tournament was on because they had those great international falls teams. One of the great stories on that is uh the Falls was playing Johnson and the state I mean, two fantastic teams, mm-hmm. the Falls teams there of the mid sixties. So it had to be 63, 4, and 5, because I was at the Tribune then. And, and they had they were going to fly 15,000 newspapers to International Falls for their subscribers. Really, I mean, this is how the newspaper circulated all throughout the state and the Dakotas on Sunday. And and uh, I think the Falls won the game 1 to nothing, and the guy downstairs, a guy named Dave Andrews, put in the wrong headline, oh, no. and they flew 15,000 newspapers to International Falls with the claim that Johnson won one to nothing oh. instead of the Falls. And oh, no. After uh, that was, uh, I, I think those became keepsakes up in uh, International Falls, though, the the uh, the uh, 50-year-old gaffe of the headline. But, uh, but my, here's the, I was there for the transition. 19, in St. Paul, I came to St. Paul as a high school writer in the fall of 68. So in 69, I mean, I was a, a, rater, a ranker of state <laughs> high school. I, every every week we had to have a, you know, it was one class, yeah. top 20. Mm-hmm. and uh, You were the guy. And you'd have to do it on Friday night. And for so being the Sunday paper, which all the games were on Saturday night. So you're... <laughs> You know, you'd put a team number one, and they get beat seven to two. <laughs> you know, they'd say, you know, Duluth East rated number one. Uh, Hibby beats Duluth East <laughs> seven to two. You know, you, there was high risk. But '69 uh, was Boucher, Edina, Greenway. I mean, you look at the teams, Moundsview. You look at the teams that were in that tournament, and it was the first year as held at Met Center, and all of a sudden it moved out of, it was this clubby neighborhood thing in St. Paul, you know, mm-hmm. in the auditorium. And it was almost a secret to the rest of this, you know, the the North, you know, the Iron Range, the Northwest, and the St. Paul East Siders, and it was their deal. Right. And then it moved to Met Center in 69, and, uh, and it, all of a sudden 15,000 people, and the, the Edina War Road final. Uh, I gotta, I gotta go back. Nineteen sixty mm-hmm. basketball. Mm-hmm. Edgerton beats Austin in the final game, and this was the greatest event in the long and wonderful history of one class state basketball tournament. Well, War Road, even though it was it had a hockey tradition, was the Edgerton. Okay, and Edina 
was the evil Big bad force. Guy. The evil force. So all of a sudden, the hockey tournament had the what the basketball tournament had mm-hmm. nine years earlier with Edgerton, and all and boom, uh, the hockey tournament took off from there and became a phenomenal event. And uh, and meanwhile, basketball after seventy went to one two classes. And even though the first year of 71, when you look at it, they played Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, and they drew 140000 for the basketball tournament because yeah. people were still. But slowly, the the old basketball tournament was four games on Thursday, mm-hmm. the quarterfinals, the eight regions. Friday, semifinals at night, consolation games in the afternoon, and that's when all of the moms from Mora and Fergus Falls and Fulda and all those places, they'd go shopping at Dayton's. And the old man might go over and watch one of the Constellation games with his buddies, and they'd go out and have some drinks and maybe go to the Saddle Bar Strip Club or something <laughs> like that. And then Friday night, Friday night were the semis, and everybody, the arena would be full again. And then Saturday... Uh, they'd have three games starting at 530. Mm-hmm. Six, uh, consolation, fifth place, third place, and the championship game wouldn't tip off till like 9 o'clock at night on Saturday night and was was a, was a huge event. But then, so people like my old man or my father, he, he came up every year, but they were trained at Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sure. And all of a sudden, you're asking them to show up on Wednesday morning and go to... So you you had one two you had four championship sessions two on two on Thursday afternoon night Friday night mm-hmm. Saturday night all of a sudden you got two on Wednesday mm-hmm. two on Thursday two on Friday because that's the semifinals right and two on on Saturday because you're playing the A final in the afternoon and the double A final at night they should have made a double header or something. So all of a sudden you're asking people, and then on Monday night you're having a carryover with the A play, the double A. So you're having nine championship sessions instead of four. Right. People just started, uh, you know, all of a sudden it wasn't worth anybody's, you know. They didn't. They wanted to come up and, you know, drive the drive the old station wagon up with the family, and, and it was a, Vacation trip to the Twin Cities that included basketball, right? And uh, it got to be way too much. Oh yeah, and it, it just—you look at the attendance, you just go, mm-hmm. and then of course they go to four classes, and that, you know, it's, I mean, it's it's fun for the kids and everything. But meanwhile, hockey was still playing one class, and and now you had, you know, all of a sudden it just got enormous in the seventies and eighties. But the basketball tournament, Judd, in uh, when I was a kid, the fifties. They played the hockey tournament, you know, at the end of February. End of February. Really? The boys' hockey tournament. Remember one thing. No women's athlete. No women's sports. Right. Okay. So. Right. There was a hockey tournament would be played. Mm Mm-hmm. And the swimming and everything else. And everything would get out of the way so you could have four weeks of basketball. Two weeks of the district tournaments. 32 districts around the state. Would play it, and then one week of the regions, mm-hmm. and then one week of the state, and one week of the state tournament. So everything got out of the way, 
so we can focus on the on the basketball tournament starting with the districts in uh, the first week of March. So pre-69 and 70, the basketball took precedent way more than the hockey itself. Well, like. I think if we go back, maybe by 69 and 70, the hockey was being played the first week of district basketball. But okay. there was still... Three weeks before. But there was a long period where basketball got the window completely cleared well, they for had the whole March. All wow. March was basketball, yeah. Well, all March was basketball. And maybe, I think, by by 69, as I said, the, basket, the hockey tournament was being played while the first week of district competition was being played. But, you'd, you know, you'd play down to 32 teams, and, and then you'd play down to eight. And on the regions were. Right. The regions were big deals. So, Patrick, when it comes to the basketball tournament, especially around uh, 1960, is there anything comparable to how big that was in this state today? I mean, would it be a Vikings game? What would be the comparison? Because it's so hard for someone like me who's oh, yeah, 46 to even to even fathom how big a deal okay, that well, must have been. Edgerton, 60. They drew, they played uh, Chisholm on, uh, on uh, Thursday night. And they had 18,100, 200, something like that. They played Richfield on Friday night, and they had 18,600. And this is where at the time? Williams Arena. Okay, Williams. And that was before the fire marshal. The fire marshal. (laughs) And they played Edgerton. I mean, they played Austin, which was a perennial. They were always in the state tournament. The legend was if you were a good basketball player in southeastern Minnesota playing in some small town down there, your old man would soon have a job at Hormel as a foreman, <laughs> and you'd be playing for Ovi Bourbon. Austin was accused of recruiting before anybody knew what it was in, in high school. So Austin was kind of a – it's not the Austin of today. It's not quaint little spam town. It was big, mighty Austin with all these, you know, it was it was a going town. They were a bad guy, basically. It was a going town. Yeah. And, uh, but that was almost 19 that night. I mean, the Edgerton played oh. in three sessions and drew 56,000 people. Mm-hmm. 56,000 people. It was, but I, people might think this is hyperbole, but there were two things the state high school basketball tournament was much bigger than the Lakers winning the NBA title. In yeah. the in the uh, I could see that. Yeah, in the uh, early fifties. First mm-hmm. of all, it was an eight team league. You know, the NBA eight, nine, ten team league. Mm-hmm. But it was not the two biggest things in the state when I was a kid in the fifties were go for football mm-hmm. every game, all nine of them. Because nine, I don't think they went till ten, till mid sixties, probably. Uh, but the nine conference games would be Washington and Missouri, you know, right? Or Nebraska, and right? Yeah, you'd be playing Washington. You played, yeah. You never played, you know. You never played Eastern Illinois, right? So every game mattered, and then you'd have your seven Big Ten games, and those were phenomenal. I mean it. It was so much bigger than anything in the state, and then the state basketball tournament was next, and that was, you know, mm-hmm. those are the two. They're different things, you know, obviously, but 
the Gopher Big Ten games were number one, and then and then the state basketball tournament was number two in the fifties. And of course, boxing was big, and sure, you know that that kind of stuff. But the but the hockey was, uh, you know, the state hockey tournament was kind of stuck over there. And that's funny that it was sort of just this yeah. quaint little well, for instance, thing at the auditorium in St. Paul. For instance, in the Tribune, Ted Peterson was the the BOF, the you know, the big old fart we called him. He was the uh, he was the domo of the high schools, yeah, and state amateur baseball too. But Ted did not cover the high school hockey team. Ted was really uh, no somebody else would send over there to do the high school hockey tournament because it wasn't really worth Ted's Ted's, Ted's time because the state basketball tournament was coming up here. Right. I mean the state the state. Playoffs and the and the basketball tournament was coming up, so uh, he didn't. I don't know who they who they sent over, but Ted didn't cover the basketball. What's the story you've told me before about Ted? You you guys would have to get all the stats, or and you no. What Ted, was that? Well, we would. We'd take every Friday night, well Tuesday nights and Friday nights in basketball. You'd take the highlights, and then there would be a highlight. There would probably be a seventy or eighty inch uh, thing in the state edition of. High school basketball from around the state. If you called in, Bill Billy Smith scored twenty two points to lead Halleck to a fifty two blah 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 dot dot dot. Right. You know every school in the state. If whoever called, and you were you had we probably had five six guys in taking phone calls and hell Cloverchard be in there taking high school scores when he was covering the Vikings because that's how big it was. Really? On on that Friday right, you know, but on still. Friday nights it was that big and football highlights and stuff. Yeah. But Ted's deal was well first of all he read back in the less sensitive ethnic days <laughs> he used to have a Sunday column which only ran in the outstate editions that was mammoth. Mammoth and the object was to get names in the paper of high school athletes. All around the state, mm-hmm. it was probably eighty inches of of copy, and it was just, and it was called "No Can Pick'em," <laughs> and I believe there was a caricature of a Native American associated with it. So this is, you know, this is. I'm I'm not saying it was the right, right thing right, to do. Right, right. I'm not endorsing it, but Chief Wahoo wasn't seen as a problem at that time. No, you know, uh, uh, you know. Uh, a columnist from Charlotte, Sorts. What's uh, Tommy Sorts? Yeah, his dad. Yeah, his old man worked at the school. His dad, Bobby, was the died young of cancer. He became the books editor, but he was the greatest guy that ever lived. And he probably convinced me I want to be in newspapers more than anybody. He was the makeup editor, and he'd always say to Friday nights, he'd always look over and said, "You got no can read them done yet? <laughs> <laughs> no can read them." And Ted. Had, but then Ted would have his all-state team. You know, Ted picked basically the state champion in football until the playoffs came along mm-hmm. in 1972, I think, was the first year they added outdoors, you know, and be, 10 years before the prep bowl. Right. But then, And back then they only had a few classes, and, and, and that's when they are playing outdoors and only a certain number of teams, like conference champions, would qualify. But but Ted, before that, picked what he called the mythical state champion. And then he'd also pick his all-state team. And then he'd have honorable mention. 
he'd have honorable mention. So the All-State team, he'd pick 22 kids from around the state or however many. And then he'd have honorable mention. And if you're, if anybody made an all-conference team that they somebody sent in, or if you got mentioned in the in the weekly, yeah. you know, I think my brother made it because he got mentioned once uh, at Boulder. In the All-State column. For yeah, for a couple. Okay. No, for in the highlight thing. Oh, okay. Saturday morning. Okay. And and the honest to God, this was when you took eight by eleven sheets of paper, typed them up, and then pasted them together. And Ted would have type up his all conference team, and we would measure it. We would somebody would walk, you know. They now take the roll down. <laughs> somebody would walk down to the as far as you had to walk. To stretch this thing out before it was rolled up. And and C.S. Sorensen said, way to go, Ted. You got 19 feet. (laughs) You got 19 feet of honorable mention. So that was the... And then you would carry it downstairs. You know, this could not fit in the tube. They used to have the tube. That oh, I was downstairs. when I started the tubes. Tube, the yeah. tubes were around. Yeah. Tubes there, but oh. but you would have to carry it down and hand it to the linotype operator, and you could just hear him going out. Oh. You know, because here came Ted's. Yeah, they had to Ted's, do all the work with it. Yeah, they had to type up all these names. And can you imagine? Oh my gosh! Can you imagine the transition from a kid taking the score on Friday night? Yep. There's about a ten percent chance. He screwed up the oh, name. I worked with some of those people. He screwed up the yeah. name. And then Ted going through all those things and typing them up, there's now another 10% chance of screwing up the name, right? So we're yeah. up to 20%. Yep. And then you get down there with the linotype vibrators going through feet of these honorable mention things. There's a 20%. There was a 40% chance every name on the honorable mention was not had the right something name. wrong with it. Had something wrong. <laughs> wrong town, wrong position, <laughs> wrong spelling, wrong everything. But thank oh. God, back then, yeah. if your name was Chris Jones, it wasn't going to be spelled K R I. I was going to say you had you know, less of a. At least the names were. At least the like. The first names were, and, and parents, we didn't have girls. And we parents weren't getting girls. creative yet at no. all, so and you're we, right. And we didn't so have no girls. Problem. We didn't have girls with nine different ways to spell uh, Christian and stuff like that. Uh, give me to just to, to go back to the uh, to the Tribune days. Give me what was that? What that was like when you uh, were going taking classes, got the job at the paper, and you you walk into that environment because, man, alive you had Sid. Yeah. Klobuchar, who had to be a complete character. I oh, mean, yeah. what I walked into a place that had some characters. You yeah. walked into a place that was nothing but filled with characters. Oh yeah, there was. Uh, it was. It was great. Uh, it was. Uh, you know, we're still, folks. This is 1963. You, if somebody's covering an event that's not in the, in the. Uh, you know they can't come back and write it. That they got to write it from the location. It came out of Western Union, a big old dedicated Western Union machine that was bigger than an IBM computer is. You know was back then, and 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 the whole operation is. Uh, you know everybody went and had a pop, a couple of pops during their breaks. You know and little wagon at the little, time was that little the... wagon wherever. Yep. Later on, when I was in St. Paul, it was Luigi's, but uh, but 
it was just a completely different collection. We used to have an outdoor man named the Grinder, Jim Peterson. He'd go home and watch a movie and cook like a, a goose or something and then come back. <laughs> he was supposed to be working. I mean, it was uh, it was, uh, it was was just so much fun and such characters. We had a old, uh, old angry old guy named Louis Green who was the, folks, the slop man is the person who back then made up the paper. So he decided what the size of the headlines were going to be, pushed the copy, did the whole thing. And, and we had two slop mans, Bob Sorensen, affable character, the sorehead, and he did the weekend stuff. And then Louis Green, a irascible, ornery old son of a bee, and uh, tough, tough old guy. And as a copy boy, you came in. And when you arrived as the new copy boy, as I did in August of 63, you were the lowest scum on the earth. (laughs) You were a complete idiot. You were a complete idiot. You didn't know anything. And then somebody else got hired, and you became the role model for that. (laughs) Why can't you be more like Ricey, you, Jay? It was two months before I appointed it. For three three months, I'd been the biggest screw-up ever. But the big thing used to be Sydney's column, uh, the half column cuts. Uh, the the okay, you had a library in the back, folks, with photos, and then you also had a little engravings that you had to put on the hot metal page, and they would rather than re-engrave all the time, they would save these half column with half column cuts. We call them, and they would run with. You would use them in all kinds of copy, but in Sid's column, there was always six half-column cuts, and Sid would give you the list. And if you can't, if you couldn't find the half-column cuts he wanted or a photo, he'd go ballistic. I know it's back there. Go back there and look again. But we got to the point where, if somebody wasn't on the list, we'd just put Max Winter. We'd just get Max Winter because we knew. That Max was mentioned somewhere in the, in the column, column. right? So, the staple. So we would just do that, but that was that was part of the fun. But uh, uh, you know, I, I it was just uh, I don't know. It's just I I had no idea when I got out of Prior Lake High School what the hell I was going to do. I was going to go to the U and take liberal arts, which is you know I was taking a humanities class. I didn't know what I was. <laughs> I didn't know what I was. And then I got fortunately for me, my father knew Ted Peterson from. Uh, amateur baseball Uh he ran town team and he called up and said hey i got this kid who loves sports you need anybody down there answer the phone and ted hired me and i started off working two four-hour shifts a week and ended up you know that was you know working quite a bit there but uh, yeah it was but it was i took me about 20 minutes to realize that i now i know what i want to do that was the place just goofballs and uh you know the irreverence of Let's just say this. If there's a head-on collision and six, seven people get killed, you know, it's a very sad thing. But yep. it's it's in a newspaper, these things are treated a little differently back then. There wasn't a lot of humanity going around. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. You know, they, now i got to rip up the whole page. <laughs> yes, you know. yes, there's nothing they yeah. hate more than having to rip yeah, up a rip page. Up the whole page. And, of course, back then. Ripping up the page, you had to take hot metal out, and they were a lot more. You had to read upside down, basically, didn't you? Oh yeah. Didn't you have that to be able great. to 
have the ability to read upside down if you were uh, yeah. going downstairs to read linotype? Yeah, and it was, it was hell, it was linotype. We're still going. It was going. I went to St. Paul in 68 and uh, I think uh, 72 or 3 before they started pasting, you know, pasting and then making made into rubber mat type of thing. So the linotype machines were still hacking when I was in St. Paul in the late 60s, early 70s. It was uh, always uh, always great. I mean, it's uh, I'm a I do a lot of radio, obviously, but uh, I'm a newspaper guy at heart. Ever since like 20 minutes after I walked in there, I, I loved it. So you, uh, you your experience just to go back to this real quick state hockey tournament. Did you tweet me a few weeks ago that the last column you did off of the tournament is indeed Columbia Heights and Reggie, Reggie Miracle? Miracle? When I think I got home from fourth grade that day and saw okay. Reggie Miracle and thought this is the this is the yeah. coolest thing ever. Sixty nine and seventy, I covered it, covered every game, you know, for two papers, morning, afternoon, and and was into it. You know, I wrote a lot of great stuff and it was great. Uh, Southwest won it the second year. Yes, Brad Shellstead. Yeah, and uh, Dave Peterson was. The most affable guy that ever lived. What the hell happened to him between then and Calgary? I have no idea. Because he went nuts up in Calgary when he was the Olympic coach. But uh, uh, but then I became the, uh, by a complete fluke, the morning sports editor for three years. Mm-hmm. So you weren't out covering stuff. You know, you were doing whatever you did. Just for the, uh, for the Pioneer Press. Pioneer Press, okay. And then in 74, I became the ball writer. So, so. Then I became a columnist in 79, and that's when my... And by then, the hockey tournament had become so cute, and you had to hear all this crap all about what a wonderful event it was. And you know me with that. The more you the more you pour it on, the more I uh, say, nah. So I'd always yep. time my spring training trip. I'd usually get two weeks in spring training to when the hockey tournament was on so I could avoid it. But uh, Lowell Schrader was the, uh, came in as a sports editor, and he... And his, one of his goals was to get me to the hockey tournament. And the year I went, what was it, uh, 83 maybe? Yeah, it was right. Bobby Heights, Reggie Merrill. Yeah, from So that. I went to the session. Yep. And I think it was the first game of the day or the I think second it, day. Reggie it was definitely Miracle, an afternoon game because I remember that. Reggie Miracle stands on yep. his head and Columbia Heights beats Edina. They somebody, beat somebody good, yeah. Somebody good. I said, well, this was easy. <laughs> you know, I wrote that and uh, – Headed for the airport and went to spring training. So I haven't been to the hockey tournament since. Among your regrets, where uh, or or not regrets, but things that have changed. Go for football used to be huge. Go for basketball when they're good can still be important, but they used to be huge. Where does the basketball tournament now being off the high school basketball tournament being off the map rank among things that you've seen evolve? That yeah, well, it, it's a bit sad, but it's also realistically, even if it had remained a one class event, hmm. it would not. It would be bigger than it is now. But listen, the NCAA was a twenty-three team tournament that these. The idea that the Minneapolis Tribune would cover it, you know, send somebody to it. Was, right. You know, I, I've always gone, the example I always give is the year Walton made 21 out of 22 shots in the semis, I believe, against Memphis. Or maybe they played Memphis in the finals. But the Saturday games in the, in the, uh, 
either the Thursday, I don't know if they were still Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Saturday, or if it was Saturday, Monday by then. But Walton's 21 out of 22 was five graph AP story with two short form boxes. In the Minneapolis, wow. in the Minneapolis Tribune, that's really? what the NCAA tournament was. Yeah, and when you see what it is now, the state basketball tournament would never not be what it is. But with this much stuff. Yeah. All right, sir. That's our first. Uh, basically, what we're going to do here is sit, sit here and BS about various things. We'll get to the Vikings, Twins, blah 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 down the road. But uh, this has been high school tournaments, and also your start, Patrick Royce, in the newspaper business. All right. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines.